would you like to know? Well, you should listen. Zoom. Cron. Week in review. Listen closely. Zoom. Cron. It's gonna help you. Then think for yourself. What the hell happens? I'm gonna tell you. From my in perspective. In the Zoom Cron. In Zoom Cron. Week, week in, in review. review. Right now. Here's an independent journalist, Travis. William, William Skink Matier. All right, welcome to another episode of Zoomcron Week in Review. I'm your host, Travis William Skink Matier. I'm the guy who bills himself as an independent journalist here in Missoula, Montana. That's right, if you're following along at the blog, zoomcron.com, that's Z O O M C H R O N, you might know that it's been quite a week. Lots of stuff going on, more than, I think, five posts, probably six. There may have been seven. I'm not counting the posts. I'm doing a solo show right now, in part because I have put myself in what I'm going to call emotional quarantine. That's right. Even though the, the reporting about my, my antics on Monday night at City Council was reported grossly inaccurately by Martin Kitston at the Missoula Current, saying that I shouted. That wasn't me. We'll get to that. But I can be loud. It's true. I can be passionate. Um, I can be angry. I can be upset. There's a whole range of emotions that, that many of us are experiencing. I know that because I, I see people react, not just me uh, and not just to me, but lots of people are kind of losing their shit out there. So that might be a theme coming up. We are going to get started, though, May 15th, seems like a long time ago, the post, the title, who knows what happened to Joey Thompson. So Joey Thompson went missing April 11th, was last seen, handful of people, lots of rumors swirling around, I'm having lots of conversations, and part of those, part of, well, one conversation in particular happened randomly. So very interesting the way small towns like Missoula work, M Missoula is still a small town, even though we are pushing uh, 100,000, 120,000, maybe in the summertime with all the tents, maybe we're at like 130, who knows? I'm not counting heads. I'm uh, interested in, in just a few people, and some of those people are no longer alive, like Joey Thompson. So uh, let's take a look. On May 15th, we have, for immediate release, this was May 12th, the Missoula County, I'm sorry, <laughs> counties, I get mixed up sometimes, Mineral County, the, the county to the west of us, Mineral County, uh, the sheriff slash coroner, because they can be both, released a uh, for immediate release press release. The Mineral County Sheriff's Office, this is I'm reading now, has confirmed the identity of the deceased male that was located in the Clark Fork River on May 3rd, 2023. The male has been identified through DNA as that of Joseph Thompson. Our continued heartfelt thoughts and prayers are with the Thompson family. This is still an active investigation. Signed, Sheriff Ryan Funk. Mineral County. I think they are the ones then heading the investigation. Do they have help from Missoula County? I don't know. I called a sheriff detective 
This was over two weeks ago now because it is now Friday. Let's take a look. Friday, May 19th. So three weeks, over three weeks. I'm sorry, two weeks. Over two weeks, I called a sheriff detective, left a message, never heard anything back. Kind of seems to be a familiar story. So the people I randomly ran into outside City Hall, it, the reason why I stopped is because there was an ambulance. Someone had apparently had a seizure in the court. And so some people were standing out. I do what I do, which is just start talking to random people, um, saying too much maybe sometimes. But every once in a while, you'll run into friends of friends who know things about things. And you start sharing notes. Stuff starts lining up or sounding familiar. And so... Lots of stuff continues to happen or maybe not happen in the, the Joey Thompson case, but there is an, an active investigation, according to Sheriff Funk in Mineral County. That's good. For the post, though, I pulled back the lens a bit and took a look about into some of the religious dynamics that, that could be at play. Uh, instead of just blabbing on about it, I think I'm just going to read from my post. What happened in the early morning hours of April 11th before Joey went missing? If I was a detective, the two young men I'd be looking at are Kaysen Knopp and Dylan Seat, both apparently hanging out with Joey at a bonfire in the woods on the night he disappeared, or was left behind by his friends. Kaysen, according to multiple sources, shaved his head <clears throat> and took off excuse me, <clears throat> to Superior, Montana, after Joey went missing. He also deleted social media posts, allegedly. Does that sound suspicious? Question mark. The other young man, Dylan Seed, is someone the grapevine seems to be very interested in. I'm interested as well, considering his mother, April, works at the Hope Rescue Mission and is a big part of the church scene I've been investigating. That's right. Speaking generally, a handful of churches in Missoula feature leadership and congregational enablers who have exhibited a dangerous lack of discernment when it comes to very difficult populations to work with, like ex-cons, which have been rebranded as returning citizens, and victims of sexual assault. One red flag that you may be dealing with a local church that has the wrong priorities is association with a national chain called the Dream Center based in Los Angeles. <clears throat> so I use a black and white screen, screenshot of the Dream Center. The Dream Center is definitely very interesting. They have little nodes around the country. You can go check out their website, poke around, find out stuff. That's what I like to do. Ah, excuse me, drinking some water. I continue, in February 2022, I wrote about this national chain in connection to a local church, River of Life, and a nonprofit, the Lifeguard Group. Since then, I've continued to look into this world as an outsider and former homeless service provider with the help of a very knowledgeable insider, and the picture forming is incredibly alarming. It is. It's incredibly alarming. To begin understanding what's going on with these religious dynamics, you have to try and see groups of marginalized people as a sort of physical terrain where spiritual turf wars can break out between God's fractured and very confused foot soldiers, foot soldiers trying desperately to save souls. I have seen this play out for sure. I am not intending to disparage the well-meaning people who can and do accomplish good work with miraculous outcomes. That said, when you start adding certain things into the mix like money and politics, Shit can go south quickly, even after starting with the best of intentions. And I include a screenshot of the temporary outdoor space back when it was called temporary. Now it's transitional. And we've got a couple people sitting there in the picture talking about the good things they're going to be doing. Okay, I continue. One of the things I've been hearing from the people I've talked to about this case, people close to this case, is the lack of, the lack of communication from authorities and the frustration that lack of communication creates. I can confirm this phenomenon exists considering it's now been 10 days, 
<laughs> Since I called and left a message with the detective from the sheriff's office assigned to the case, maybe the Missoula County Sheriff's Office doesn't want to hear what I have to say about the church dynamics involved in the situation because they themselves are compromised by those same dynamics, thanks to their chaplain, Lowell Hochhalter, and the board president and pastor of Engaging Heaven, Derek Talley. Then you got some screenshots, so you can see these two men of God and, and their smiles. And you can try and ascertain how genuine those, those smiles are. I continue, Do you see the kind, loving power of Jesus Christ flickering like the hopeful light of salvation behind, behind Derek Talley's eyes? Is that light powerful enough to save wayward souls like returning citizens or other men with a history of violence? But divinely sanctioned by national brands like the Dream Center. As a fallible human myself, I don't feel well positioned to answer that question, but as a Gonzo-led independent journalist, <laughs> yes, right, I bill myself as an independent journalist, I absolutely do feel well positioned to examine the fruits of the men claiming divine appointment from God in their local efforts to allegedly help people, like those who go missing and those who might be involved in the dark practice of human trafficking. <clears throat> Yada, yada, yada. I go into some more stuff. You can read the rest of the post if you want to at zoomcron.com. But one of the things I did is I continue kind of, you know, making phone calls, knocking on doors, and people answer. It's great. They open the doors, they answer the phone, and I ask them questions. I think that's kind of how this whole thing works. So I will continue doing that. I've been getting some financial support rolling in for my independent journalistic efforts. And I thank you, thank you, thank you so much <clears throat> for that support. Because it allows me to spend $10 on coffee and cookies for City Club. That's right. That happened on Monday as well. It also allows me to spend $6 for what, you ask? Well, $6 for two hard copy editions of the Missoulian. <laughs> That's right. When I woke up on Monday, I, I saw the continuing series, Nowhere to Go, No Place Left to Go, something like that. David Erickson, I think, is taking a field trip to Portland. Before he goes to Portland, he reported on the Russell Street Bridge area, an area I've been quite disturbed by. It's where a non-compliant sex offender named Todd has been hanging out in the sort of river, uh, requiring several attempts to save him as the river went up during the flood stage. Well, a young man by the name of Theodore does not like to be called Eric. Theodore definitely doesn't like to be called Eric. Eric is his first name. Theodore is his middle name. And Theodore, he was featured. Well, it didn't take me long on Monday morning to actually find a link to a meth dealer. I'm not sure how serious John Cave was about his meth dealing. He was dealing meth right out of his tent in the authorized camping site, which has since been disbanded and closed. That was run by uh, city and county officials, I believe. I would have to look at the details to see who was running that shit show. I do know that Rogers International is providing security and have since had had quite a change of heart Um Great direct conversation with David Pritchard. Um, man, when you when you see reality on the ground play out in certain ways, you, you start you can form like a kinship, and you're just like share notes, and it's it's weird. Um, but the authorized camping site, the meth dealer, he was arrested, and friends with Theo on Facebook. Also, there was some nice satanic imagery, not satanic per se, but Baphomet. You got to get into these entities and know the differences. So there's Baal, there's Mithras, there's Baphomet. There's all kinds of different entities. It's uh, interesting when you start getting into the occult stuff, how seriously some of these people actually take this stuff. I really don't know. And that is part of the reporting with Joey Gonzalez and the potential connection to something called the smiley face cult or the smiley face killers. 
we'll get to that. City Club, though, happened on Monday. City Club, they had a presentation, and that presentation had a name, and that name is, what is it? The Edge of the Desert. Is Montana in danger of losing its local news? Lee Banville did a great job moderating. We had John Adams of the Montana Free Press. He made a dark money documentary. Great conversation with him after the, the whole presentation. There was also Maritza Giorgio or something like that. Lee can pronounce it better with a sort of not French fl inflection, but I think there was some some joking going on about ethnicity. I don't know. Some of it went above my head because I'm just a lowly independent uh, journalist there having to wait until after the program to ask my questions. Um, we also had uh, who Jim Strauss. That's right, Jim Strauss, former publisher of The Missoulian. He's in some other role in media now. Um, I've written about Jim Strauss, written about his wife who works at pretty high level in the Goodman Group, I believe, um, that runs a bunch of nursing homes in Montana. So a lot of fun at City Club. The table I was at was kind of boring. I didn't get any high-level handlers, so a little disappointed. I did have some direct conversations uh, with a City Club guy beforehand. They made it known um, I was to be on best behavior, and, and media was to ask questions afterwards. And so I did. I, I was on best behavior. I had my copy of The Missoulian in which I made a meth dealer connection, and meanwhile, David Erickson was making not any kind of drug connections. One little tiny drug reference, but mostly... Uh, just kind of <laughs> read, read the article if, if you want to, because the Missoulian, it's not really getting a bunch of readers or subscribers or advertisers. That's part of the problem. Found out the Missoula Indy had a lot of classified support financially. That was part of their stick. But uh, when that went away, um, I think mostly in the Missoulian has gobbled that up. One of the things I noticed is that John Adams was one of the probably more informative in terms of what might be coming for the media, like a hybrid model. You have a, a branch that's nonprofit, a branch that does have some advertising. No one said podcasting, though. Podcasting is, is not something that was mentioned. Podcasting is pretty popular, uh, as is social media. The tick and the talk happens to be pretty popular with the youth. Questions always come up with the old elderly people. How do we get to the youth? They're not really sure. They're not sure how to tick or talk. And in Montana, we're actually banning that. So Montana is the first state, <clears throat> thanks to our governor, signing some shit into law, saying no tick, no talk. We're living in great times. Continuing, City Club, what else? Anything relevant? Of course, I'm sure there is. Oh, yes, former Indy staff, Matthew Frank and... Uh, Erica Fredrickson, I hope I said that right, they might be coming out at some point with something called a pulp. So it's been an ongoing project. I've been hearing murmurings of that for a while. I was able to talk to Matt Frank afterwards. He did the piece in the Missoula Independent about Project 7. So the Project 7 militia, I'm talking kind of fast. A lot of information is coming at you. So try and, and, and keep up if you can. Project 7 militia featured a guy named David Bergert. David Bergert apparently took some shots at Missoula County deputies and then disappeared in the woods in Lolo. David Berger, also a dude, I had a run-in at the old Pavarello Center, and you can hear some of that on a podcast that the, let's see, Justin Franz did from Flathead, I don't know, Flathead Beacon, good gracious. Um, but that was uh, Justin and another guy doing a podcast about the Project 7 militia, and Matt Frank, he had a lot of the source material for that for that series, that podcast series. So 
pretty interesting stuff going on at the City Club, although it could have been more exciting, I think. Lee Banville did a pretty darn good job, I would say, being pretty entertaining and, you know, self-effacing, kind of kind of humble. Maybe he should run for office. What else do we got going? I think we're going to skip, or not skip, we're going to move. We're going to dilly-dally along to the next post. Ah, uh, Yes. That was the Missoulian Profile's homeless friend of meth dealer for a propaganda article omitting substantive references to illegal drugs. <laughs> Quite a mouthful for a title for a post. But that gets into the background of um, Mr. Theodore a bit and what is being depicted by our local media about this poor wayward youth who left Superior, Montana. Interesting that Superior, Montana comes up. And actually, when I went to talk to Theo... He was sleeping under a tarp under the bridge. There was another guy from Superior, Montana. I was kind of, you know, explaining my uh, reason for being there at 1030 in the morning, apparently waking up poor Theo, who was sleeping again under a tarp. But I was explaining Joy Thompson went missing. and Now he's dead. And he was found in Mineral County. And there seems to be a lot of people in Missoula sort of from that that area. I find it curious. And I'm having conversations. How far or what value those conversations actually have, I'm not really sure. But you got to get out there and you got to talk to people. Moving along, what? Oh, are we are we there yet? I think I think we're there. We could possibly be there. Yes. On living life in double standard town, where hypocrite cowards call the shots. So we're only to May sixteenth. Makes May sixteenth is a Tuesday. And May 15th was Monday, which meant city council, they meet. And a lot of times I show up and make public comment. Lots of people do. Matt Larson makes public comment by online methods because he's not allowed to do so other in other ways. Sometimes J. Kevin Hunt makes comments. Well, all three of us made comments on Monday. What really started grinding the gears of our mayor, though, was the second comment I made. I thought I understood the rules of decorum Alas, I do not. I think it was because of the sarcasm I was using about how, in my opinion, you should look at the executive director role of the Paparello Center as having some intangible benefits, and that's keep your mouth shut about murders and rapes and stuff that happen, and you will ascend. So I guess that was not something that I, I should have uh, said so specifically because that was um, in response to the fact that there was a former executive director of the Pavarello Center that was being appointed to some food board. So you play the game right, you get on the boards, you get to make bigger, bigger decisions, and you just never talk to the family of Sean Stevenson, uh, the, the man who was assaulted inside your homeless shelter and then euthanized because he was taken off life support at St. Pat's without his family being notified. That happened by a coroner who's also working for the sheriff's office because it's the same thing here in Montana. Pretty crazy stuff. I say things, I get shut down, point of order. Zoe Zephyr does stuff, you know, her supporters throw shit apparently. Um, that's been confirmed by several sources. It, it's it's mind-boggling how you have to like take these double standards and try and exist. It, it's very, very difficult. Um, looking at the post though, I do point out to Martin Kitston, who reported on my point of order experience with Mayor Hess, and he really kind of dropped the ball. So Martin Kitson was not in city council chambers. He watches via online. That's, that's how he observes the news that was made. 
And the news, according to Martin Kitson, is that I yelled. I stormed out and I yelled. I did not. I did not shout. So it's now been stealth edited. I'm capturing all this at ZoomCron, so you can follow along at the blog if you want. I should not be the story. I don't intend to be the story in this way. Uh, I don't want to continue being a point of order pain in the ass to city council. So I'm still debating on how to proceed. I have a couple ideas. Only one involves a ukulele, but we'll see. But I did provide video evidence. Mom, if you're listening, you got to watch the video evidence and not just believe Martin Gomer Kisted when he says that I was shouting as I was leaving city council. I was not. I actually told J. Kevin Hunt, who admits in a comment on the post to being the one shouting. I tell him, chill out. That's what I said. It's not worth it. So, J. Kevin Hunt, what do you have to say? Well, May 16th, J. Kevin Hunt issued a comment at the blog, and I can read it because I can, this is my podcast and I can do that. Gober Kitson is a hack, says J. Kevin Hunt. I, of course, was the one who shouted, not you, referring to me. And not, my name is Travis. And I was ordered to leave by Hess, who had already called a recess, which I did, yelling that the authoritarians wearing phony progressive suits aren't liberals and are not Democrats. Look at the tape, that's what he said. The hypocrisy and selective censorship is intolerable. Uh, City Attorney Jim Nugent gives the mayor and council bad advice if he isn't informing them of some recent federal court decisions, such as one awarding $100,000 to a citizen whose comments were arbitrarily shut down by a mayor. See, now Kevin Hunt, he's been a lawyer in other states, like Oregon. So Kevin Hunt knows what he's talking about. Do you hear that, Hess? Liberalism, continues Hunt, like liberal democracy, embraces the notion of a marketplace of ideas in which all are free to speak and voice opinions on any subject without recrimination or prosecution. It's a right enshrined in the Montana Constitution, a language our Supreme Court <clears throat> has held to be more expansive and protective than the First Amendment. Woo! Man, I got some cool shit going for me, it sounds like. Our wonderful Montana Constitution likewise enshrines the right of citizens to participate in government at all echelons and to gather for the purpose of governmental bodies. How ironic that Mayor has recently effusively praised Missoula 72 Constitutional Convention Delegate May Nan Ellingson as she was presented with a well-deserved certificate of appreciation for her role in adoption of those, pr of those provisions and her decades of work to make our governing bodies open to partici participation by all. I'm going to have to take a quick drink of water. Ah, Rules of decorum adopted by deliberative assemblies are for the regulation of speech and debate among members of the assembly. The Missoula City Council lacks constitutional authority to censor citizen speech at open forums of the council based on content, but may, of course, shut down speech posing a clear and present danger to imminent violence, insurrection, etc., as well as excessively gratuitous profanity and expression that merely disrupts proceedings in a substantial way. The mayor is without constitutional authority to silence citizens because he finds or someone else might deem the speech offensive, rude, discourteous, or extremely damning of government officials, policies, etc. Nor is Hess imbued with authority to squelch citizen speech because he deems a citizen statement false, something Hess's predecessor was also prone to doing. So, do the rights May Nan Ellingson helped to recognize in our constitution guide the way interim mayor Hess performs his function of chairing council meetings? No, if you want to find champions of free speech and citizen participation on the city council, you'll need to look to, you'll need to look to Sandra Vasica of the libertarian mold or Daniel Carlino of the democratic socialist persuasion. 
I said it last night and I'll say it again here. So the so-called liberals on the council aren't. They are authoritarians and spin doctors posing as such. The narrative that the council is controlled by liberals is a convenient one for the Missoulian and other establishment media to reiterate ad nauseum because it shoves all opinions into a bloods versus crips sort of dichotomy and brushes aside reality in favor of easy to understand pablum. Well said, Mr. J. Kevin Hunt. Normally, I wouldn't read a lengthy, lengthy comment by Kevin Hunt, and most of his comments are fairly lengthy, but, you know, that one was just, that one was just nice. So I do appreciate that commentary, Mr. Hunt. And we are going to continue on because there is more going on than drama in city council. The following post the next day, what's it about? Hmm, it might be about the fact there is word on the street. What is that word on the street? And what is a word from a retired cop? Hmm. Do we have a serial killer or killers? So on May 17th, that was one of the questions I had. Um, let's see. I think I am going to take a quick break because I'm feeling the fatigue. I'm going to do some jumping jacks and come back here in just a little bit. Okay, I am back, and instead of returning on a Friday evening, it is now a Saturday evening, 7.16 to be precise. I decided not to come back to the microphone last evening, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I did because I just frankly did not have the energy to get into what I'm going to be talking about next. Also, I did not have the additional sort of context and information having attended a memorial today being Saturday. Also, a, a homeless man I know very well died just about two hours ago. I have a, an image before they even were able to put the sheet over him. So Glenn Harley Stevens passed away literally in front of the doorway into the county commissioner's building. Um, it was something that I'm still kind of trying to process, so I don't know what I'm going to necessarily say about that, although there was a post this week that actually talks about some of the old-timers of Harley's generation, so... Oh, timing can be so fucked. Anyways, word on the street and word from a retired cop is Western Montana has a serial killer or killers. So in this post, I begin with talking about Sean Stevenson a bit. Um, for people that aren't aware, Sean was assaulted January 3rd, 2020, and then he was removed from life support on January 5th, 2020, without his family being notified. A lot of um, death happens with people that are... Uh, dealing with different levels of substance abuse. I know Sean had some struggles with alcohol. I have had struggles with alcohol. Glenn Harley Stevens absolutely was drinking himself to death and is now, that's the result. He is, he is dead. Forrest Clayton Salcedo. I'm not sure what his relationship was with alcohol because he died before I got involved too heavily working uh, as a homeless service provider for the Pavarello Center, but I certainly worked at the Salcedo Drop-In Center named after Forrest Clayton Salcedo, who was brutally murdered on the California Street walking bridge um, just west of the new location for the Pavarillo Center on West Broadway. I took a picture of a smiley face. The smiley face has become a well-known symbol now associated with uh, the potential of a serial killer or group of serial killers that are operating in different cities and have been for decades. So for people that are familiar with the, with the smiley face cult, smiley face killer theory, um, it's put out there by a detective from New York, I believe. Gannon is his last name and someone else. I have a book. I'm just not going to look at it right now. Too much is going on. But 
one of the things that I get worried about and that I've been writing about is that the missing and then the the death of Joey Thompson is going to get sucked up into this larger narrative. And whether or not that is that is worth looking at at this point, I'm not sure. After attending the memorial today of Joey Thompson and having conversations with some of the young people, young people that uh, I wrote a post today about how we are failing the young people as adults. I'm an adult, allegedly. And I include myself in this community that is failing young people because I still have not received a call back from the sheriff detective. There were plenty of sheriff deputies surrounding the body of Glenn Harley Stevens earlier today. And as I gave my card, none of the sheriff deputies seemed to want to take it. Uh, a PD city police officer did take that card. They seemed a little interested um, in terms of next of kin of Glenn Harley Stevens. I do think it's salmon. Idaho is where he had some family who knows, but death is happening. It's sad. And some of it's preventable, and some of it should be investigated as criminal. Wild concepts, I know. So I have a little information in this post about the death of Clay Salcedo. And then there's some information from a book by John Costin, To Kill and Kill Again. This is the terrifying true story of Montana's baby-faced serial sex murderer. That's right. Missoula had a serial killer. Mid-70s to mid-80s is when he was operating. And I have a little excerpt from the introduction, and I'm going to read that now. So this is from the book. See if it applies or not. While the sheriff's department didn't explicitly link the two killings, the talk of the town did. The townspeople were already swept up in rumors about devil worship in neighboring Idaho, where only months before November, a young newlywed couple from Rathdrum in northeast Idaho mysteriously disappeared. Word had spread that the couple had been abducted and sacrificed by a satanic cult, that Rathdrum was the center of a devil-worshipping cult. In the minds of Missoulians, then and now, Rathdrum, though 200 miles away, is considered to be just over the hill. And it was no big stretch of the open-minded imaginations of many Missoulians to believe the tales that linked Satanism with news reports of cattle mutilations reported in the Plain States to the east, beginning in the fall of 1973 and in eastern Montana in 1974. The animals were found with their lips, udders, and genitals removed, cut off with what was alleged to have been surgical precision. This is actually happening again. Um, the animal mutilation, I believe in Texas. I can look that up later. Um, but this is an interesting little perspective into, in part, the geography, because towns like Superior, Montana, which is closer certainly than Rathrum, not that far away when you're talking about big states and distances that people drive sometimes to get to work. So why is that interesting? Well, there is a kid. His name is Kaysen Kanop. And Kaysen is one of the last people allegedly to see Joey Thompson alive. The rumors that I've been hearing, and I've been hearing this enough, uh, but from multiple sources, that I think it must be accurate that he, Kaysen, went to Superior, Montana, has fled to Superior, Montana shortly after Joey went missing in April, that he shaved his head, that he uh, deleted social media posts, I think on Instagram. All very interesting. All something I hope is being investigated. There is an active investigation, I do believe, into the death of Joey Thompson. What results from that? I don't know. Another situation, uh, Terry Stahl, he's an older man, 67. He was found in the Rock Creek area. So Terry went missing in March, last seen around the Pavarello Center. And so now Terry has been found dead. Lots of people being found dead. In Terry's case, since it seemed to be a Pavarello Center thing, and I know 
Guy Baker, he likes to be a point of contact when it comes to the, the homeless folks and what's happened to them. Right, Guy? Detective Guy Baker was the, the point of contact on that case. So I included a little screenshot of the media that, that said, here, contact Detective Guy Baker if you have information. So people showing up dead. And one of the things that popped into my head that I include in this post is a story. And I don't know if this story has any relevance, which I say in the post, but the young man that helped me in the meth shack cleanup, who had been about three weeks sober, actually, after we had been working for a while, he was more comfortable with just having a conversation with both myself and the my trusty volunteer who helped me on multiple days during that cleanup uh, saga. The young man who was uh, not comfortable staying in any of the shelter spaces, uh, not, the, not a safe space according to him, um, well, he said that he is facing a robbery charge and he has no recollection of what happened. He was not drinking heavily at the time, but he felt that the group of people he was with who he didn't know well may have spiked his drink and led him into some sort of robbery situation. I thought that is interesting because one of the situations with the smiley face pattern of, of young men showing up dead is not just that they, they are out drinking or having something to drink. Maybe a drink is spiked because oftentimes these people are acting in a manner that doesn't necessarily... It's not consistent with alcohol abuse. So there's questions starting to, to come up. Are even bartenders potentially a part of this cell of serial killers in different towns and different cities potentially operating? But this idea that I'm starting to kind of think, because the, the term used by this young man as he described what he felt like potentially happened to him was hoodwinked. <laughs> hoodwink is a very specific term. It's actually a Masonic concept. And so the, and I actually have one of these old uh, antique blindfolds a hoodwink blindfold is this, is a really interesting little object in antiquity from some of these uh, secret societies well masonic ones to be specific and so i have a little description of the the hoodwink in this post um i'll go ahead and read it the image above is of a man in a masonic hoodwink which dates from the early 1800s to the early 1900s and were sold by demolin a masonic lodge supplier supplies manufacturer um, as well as the purveyors of lodge supplies. Freemasonry is not the originator of the hoodwink. Hmm. Religious rites and initiations of civilization, civilizations and tribes dating back centuries before the believed or known origins of Freemasonry use blindfolds to represent going from darkness, ignorance, to light. Hood, the word hood in Old German and Anglo-Saxon refers to a head covering, as in a hat or helmet. A hood might also be of cloth. To hood is to cover. Hooded garments have been worn throughout history. Wink. The word wink in Old German and Anglo-Saxon refers to a closing of the eyes. The word wince is similarly derived from the word wink. The word wink pertains to the eye. One of the interesting things when I'm thinking about hood and hoods and just kind of reading this, of course, there's the hoods of the KKK, but um, the adaptation of Watchmen that HBO did is a very interesting series. I had a lot of interesting synch synchronicities that are too hard to explain that I can't really get into now, but... Um, part of the idea of the Watchmen is sort of taking on a uniform or a persona and being careful that that uniform or persona doesn't overtake you. And part of that was a hood over the head of the black character um, and then how that transformed, how he recapitulated or, or, or co-opted this, this negative this negative thing. And then, yeah, I'm not going to explain it well, but... Anyways, I thought that was interesting to make note of for the post. I also include some information on people losing their shit left and right. A uh, young man is charged now with murdering his mother. This happened over Mother's Day weekend. Pretty grisly scene here in Missoula, Montana. 
And then a little image of a frog trying to get out of the boiling water because, hey, if you realize <laughs> we're being cooked slowly here in this slowly uh, degrading society that we're in, well, you know, maybe do something to get out of it. <clears throat> Okay, moving on. The next post was more getting into me being the story since I caused such a stir, such an incredible stir at the city council meeting with my second comment that got point of ordered by Mayor Hess that, well, I just wanted to provide a little helpful context on Martin Kidston, the quote unquote reporter who was not able to accurately report that it was another individual. Kevin Hunt, <clears throat> who was the person that was shouting. And I read Kevin's admission and great, long, fascinating comments earlier in the, the earlier session of this podcast. So don't need to rehash that. Now the Missoulian is chiming in. And the Missoulian's depiction, this is where you get the, I'm billing myself as a independent journalist. So this is the language from the Missoulian. <clears throat> Early in the Monday meeting, two public commenters stormed out of city council chambers after Mayor Jordan Hess instructed one of the men to refrain from making personal attacks in accordance with city rules. <clears throat> Excuse me. Travis Matier, who bills himself as an independent journalist, incited. <laughs> I incited Hess to speak out by maligning the executive director of the Pavarello Center. Matier previously worked at the homeless shelter. Quote, this is me being quoted. As long as you, the director, keep your mouth shut about people that were murdered inside your facility and some of the sexual assaults that are happening and some of the other violence, you might be able to ascend, Matir said loudly during a public comment opening Monday. He claimed his attacks were directed at an organization, not an individual, despite directly citing the executive director position. <laughs> so that's the reporting from Brett Serbin. Let me just bring up my Twitter really quick. Excuse me, I got all kinds of phlegm in my throat. Although the smoke has finally started clearing from the skies, which is a blessing. So going to the messages, I did ask Brett Serbin, um, why did you make zero effort to contact me before writing about me? At the time of that post, Brett had not responded. Serbin now does respond. Hi, Travis. I typically let public comments and public forums speak for themselves. I hope you understand. And then I said, did you report on my first public comment of the evening? No. You didn't. There has been no response since then. Well, not to dwell on me being the story, we will now move along to the following post. And this is the timely post on some homeless-related memories that I have of some long-gone chronic alcoholic individuals, mostly men. <clears throat> well, especially in this post, it's only men. But we have here a story of David Erickson. So we actually start with a Native American woman. And so, interestingly, okay, I'm going to just pause so I can clear my throat in, a, in such a loud manner that I'm not going to be just hemming and humming. So one more pause, one second. All right, well, hopefully I have properly cleared my throat so that I can actually speak effectively into this microphone about the next installment of David Erickson's series, Nowhere to Go. This is for the Missoulian, the title, How One City Built Housing for Native Americans. So this is kind of interesting because Linda, pictured in the article, I am very familiar with. In fact, I actually talked to Glenn Harley Stevens, the homeless man who died um, two hours ago. Um, I talked to, to Harley to confirm that Linda was the partner of Dale Peterson. And sure enough, 
Yeah. Sure enough, Harley, uh, he did he did confirm that Linda was was Dale's old lady. And then he told me how he didn't like Dale. Uh, Dale allowed some guy to buy a bunch of alcohol for the for the the party. And Dale used to have some housing across from the county courthouse. So one of these old apartments, probably SROs um, back in the day. And so uh, Dale ended up kicking this guy out, getting pissed off. And I think this guy may have actually gotten some frostbite. I don't know if he passed away. Harley wasn't clear on that. Um, this was just a couple days ago that I was speaking with Harley. And the video that I put out this week, I put out a video about living in double standard town. You can actually hear Harley's voice in the very beginning. And then I have some footage that I recorded earlier this year. It may have been last year of Harley. So um, Harley's presence is definitely going to be kept around in some ways since his anecdotal story, especially the cost, is something I'd actually be curious about if I could um, get this town to put together Harley's story on paper in terms of numbers just to see what it's what it's cost to allow this chronic alcoholic to live his life and to die on the streets of Missoula. So um, I'm getting a little distracted. Dale Peterson, I talk about the things that I've done with some of these chronic alcoholics and how sad some of their lives are because they do things like shit in their pants and have actually been involved in cleaning someone who has shit their pants. Dale being one of those guys. Um, Dale's alcoholism was pretty awful. The way that you watch someone drink themselves into a wheelchair, drink them, literally drink their legs into oblivion, uh, just drink their bodies away. It is God fucking awful. So David Bishop, another person I found out just this week from Cindy, a blessed, blessed motel manager. You don't hear, <laughs> uh, people in my line of work back in the, the service sector days, talk too nicely necessarily about motel managers, but Cindy is a true angel, and Cindy put up with David's antics for quite a while and finally had to say no. Uh, David passed away over the winter, is what I found out from Cindy, and Cindy said it was really hard to say no to David because he would come up every once in a while, ask to come back, and she would say no, and he would say things like, I promise not to pee in the bed. How fucking pathetic and sad is that? That's some of the... the <laughs> You don't know what it's like to turn someone down for a level of housing that is a shitty motel room um, because they so regularly defecated and urinated in the bed. Hey, that's life, right? So David's passed away, and I include some images of David's foot, which was frostbit, and so his toes are black. Um, I was actually checking in with him during this period when his his the the flesh was slowly falling off. I remember his pinky was holding on by a string of skin at the very end, and he went to the emergency room. They did surgery, and he ended up living a couple years after this really nasty frostbite. Um, probably actually five, four or five years. Um, there's also a picture of another man's foot. That's Cockeyed Joe's foot. And then Michael Robinson's foot. Yes, he's a veteran, and his foot was rotting. This is a screenshot from a video clip I took, and the video clip is just awful because you can actually see the flies flying around his rotting foot. So homelessness. To soften, though, the post, I include a Lego rendition, but it's important to note this Lego rendition might not be accurate. So TC, a, a, a longtime commenter at the blog, this is his comment. Love the Lego scene, but have disputes with it. There is no fire slash medical depicted. <laughs> TC is correct. There's only only a police car in, in my Lego depiction. They actually allow all those depicted to clear move on the next one, usually within a half an hour. Keep doing what you do. It matters. Oh, thanks, TC. Um, TC is a, is a great person. So, okay, moving along. Let's get wrapping. 
What do we got? Oh, yes, this is what we got. So Friday, May 19th, are you ready for the weekend in Double Standard Town? You can see a collage that they put together. All kinds of posters in support of Zoe Zephyr and her ability to speak out have been plastered on the windows of businesses downtown and across Missoula. I decided to, to get one of those posters. I, I asked. I didn't steal it. Okay. I asked for the poster at a local coffee shop. I won't say which one in case there's any blowback because I turned the poster into a piece of collage art. I'm not sure if right now in Missoula you're allowed to make art especially from the, the privileged uh, trans class now that is so amazingly effective in, um, well, fundraising. Um, word on the street is that Zoe Zephyr has about a million dollars of value now after this session. So that's one story I might look into. But I really like my collage. It's got a map of Missoula. Map. <laughs> map. It's got a map of Missoula as a border. That map was gleaned. Why I got the map, it was taken. Again, for free. The the map was provided at a transportation forum that Ali and I spoke of uh, previously, I think in last week's review. And it shows some of the layout of parking and stuff because we have such a hot conversation going here in Missoula about parking and lane changes that are happening in downtown. And then there's an anime magazine I purchased primarily so I could cut it up because that's what you do with collages. You take images, you cut the images out of their original context, and then you recontextualize them with your own context. There's also a man wearing a blue dress. What's interesting about that image, it was a promotional card, in fact, in fiction, a local bookstore. And so on the back, there was a little thing you could scan to get the first chapter free. It's really hot to sell yourself right now as, at, least a, at the very least, a man wearing a dress. I think that's at the very least what you need to do. So hopefully that image isn't too freaky for the people that might um, enjoy my local journalism, but not so much some of my more opinionated art. But guys, first speech or first speech, first amendment, protected speech, that kind of stuff. So this post does have some interesting things, though. And part of that is the stealth edit that I caught. So I might have to uh, talk about this again in, in a later post, because now instead of saying, Mateer left the meeting voluntarily and shouted his way out the, out the door. Let me read that again. Mateer left the meeting voluntarily and shouted his way out the door. It now reads, Mateer left the meeting voluntarily and disputed the allegation that he shouted. <laughs> yeah, that's the change. Just a, a slight little stealth edit there. So nothing at the top of the article or the bottom of the article bringing attention to the fact that they fucked up so badly in reporting that I shouted when I, in fact, did not shout on my way out the door. Well, we'll see what happens with all this. So, uh, But the video is what I want to bring attention to. Don't let the, the number fool you. It's not 17 minutes. I'm not sure what I did to have it. It's about eight or nine minutes. And it's life in double standard town. It's a great video. It takes the Juneteenth proclamation that I recorded from a Wednesday committee hearing that I really wanted to attend, but I used all of my restraint not to. So then I could record later the amazing Juneteenth proclamation read by Mayor Hess a stuttering person that inspires zero confidence in the idea of leadership. Listening to Hess makes you just want to pray, pray that there's some sort of divine intervention for Missoula in terms of leadership. And then there's my I Apologize song. It's a really great song, if I say so myself. Um, and I think I'll probably potentially include that song maybe at the end. I'm also going to try and find Glenn Harley Stevens' little interview. So I did actually talk to Harley 
Um, I think it was actually two winners ago now. And so I'm hoping to include that as well, since this might be a shorter post or a shorter <laughs> podcast episode as my solo ones are. Uh, oh, let's see. What else? What else? Oh, yes. So also I put out a post today. We adults are failing the friends of Joey Thompson. Um, I just wanted to give some acknowledgement to some of the things that I heard about Joey, like how he would wear a bear suit and act in all kinds of hilarious, rascally sort of ways. There was a woman that actually spoke about uh, looking at, at some security footage of her business and realizing the kid doing parkour on the cars was actually this kid. She knew Joey. Um, I did get some information at one point. I won't get into those details quite yet. Um, just a lot of sort of sadness. And I, I hope the adults in this town are doing the things that they're supposed to do when it comes to investigating, when it comes to encouraging kids to not fall into some of these traps. And there are a lot of traps out there, especially when it comes to substance abuse. So I think with all of the posts this week, that should be enough of me talking, talking, talking. Um, I want to thank Allie for <laughs> understanding that I am in emotional quarantine. I am a complete and utter mess in many ways. I do my best to, to keep it together, which is one reason why it's so frustrating because I have shouted in the past in a city council context. I have definitely acted in a manner that required a point of order. So to, to have it misreported so grossly and inaccurately, and then to have the confusing part of, of what actually earned my point of order well, there's going to be more to this story because something needs to happen when it comes to public comments. Right now, we have no consistency. I still don't have a clear idea of what the decorum rules actually mean. There are rules. I do agree that rules should be in place. Zoe Zephyr and her supporters also have some issues with rules. I don't know in Double Standard Town what is okay and acceptable and what is not. It's very, very confusing. So if I'm confused... I'm sure many people in Double Standard Town, they might be confused too. So I'm going to continue doing what I can. I'm not just billing myself as a as an independent journalist. I'm out there in this town as the image of Glenn Harley Stevens, who passed away now just uh, about two hours and 15 minutes ago, clearly indicates when you're out and about, when you're seeing with your eyes what's actually happening, you can report more effectively. That's local journalism. That's the value I hope to bring and to continue to bring to zoomcron.com, to this podcast, to other projects that may be happening. I hope to help support because we need local information about what's happening locally here in our own backyard. That's where you can have the greatest influence. And that's where I'm going to continue doing what I can. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all the support, all the intangible support I get monetary support that's rolling in that is also very very appreciated i even think that my gofundme is finally tied to my actual bank account and so those funds are actually flowing in i believe so that is that is a help because independent journalism for me right now not paying much not really viable in terms of a, a sustainable long-term model but the conversation is going there is a better conversation happening because i'm helping to push in certain areas that conversation Sometimes I'm effective. Sometimes I can learn some lessons about when to shut up. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Here is at least a song and maybe even Harley.
doing some talking. Rest in peace, Harley. Oh, no. I, as a citizen of Zoomtown, or maybe Double Standard Town, have made some people upset with my public comments. The people elected to sit in chairs make decisions. They did not like my second public comment. My first public comment seemed to go okay, but the second one, not so okay. Maybe if I had brought a ukulele and made my comments rhyme, it would have been better. But I don't always do that. Not every time, but tonight I made some words rhyme. Here they are. Wow, kapow, your sacred cow goes moo at slightest touch. I did not mean to frighten it. I do not like it rough. I must choose words carefully. Proper nouns are bad. When my tongue is critical or sarcastic or mad. Hmm. Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. Let me help your cow. Wally, he gives his weed. I just use kapow. Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. I apologize for impugning everyone for two dead black guys. Hmm. I feel like I'm forgetting something. No, they checked my bag. Public cop, a thankless job, and the private one seems sad. What am I forgetting? The minutes as they tick do not signal happy hour for civic lubricants. Oh, sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. Let me help your cow. Wally, he gives his weed. I just use kapow. Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. I apologize for impugning everyone for two dead black guys. Hmm. Gomer, can you hear me? That's not your real name. Point of order is serious. This is not a game. That was not my shouting. You saw on the screen. Like I can't see your drinking. <laughs> you know what I mean. Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. Let me help your cow. Wally. He feeds his weed. I just use kapow, kapow. Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. I apologize. I really impugned everyone for two dead black guys. And it's not your fault, people. It's not, okay? Gomer, can you hear me? The meth shack, it is gone. If you want to get real drunk, make folks a drinking song. Gomer can hear me. You gotta report accurately. Oh, because sometimes I feel like I need to hire my own security. And I'd say, sorry folks, sorry folks, let me help your cow. Wally, he feeds his weed. I just use kapow, kapow. Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. I can barely play this instrument, but I'm trying real hard, okay? And I'm going to apologize for everyone in the duck pond, Pomerello Yard. Oh, sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. Let me 
help your cow. Your cow! Wally, he just feeds his weed. I just use kapow, kapow. Sorry, folks, sorry, folks. I apologize, I do, for impugning everyone for two dead black guys. Cause you don't want to talk about Sean Stevenson Or John Lee Perry, what he did to him Cause you never seen the images Of what that body took on January 3rd, 2020 Yeah, I spent that long trying to understand things Oh, but I'm still trying to figure out And there's some things that I won't say sorry for but for you, Gomer, I'll say folks a few more times. Take a drink for me. Ha! Ha! Oh, actually, you might want to save some of your money, Gomer. Don't, don't drink too much. Stay clear-headed for the days and weeks to come. Oh. Chronicles of what? Chronicles of soon. I don't want to see. I don't have the room. Zoom cry. Zoom crowd. It's a song. Kind of. Synchronicity will take you along. And here's your host, Travis William Skink Matier. Okay, welcome to a special Christmas episode of Zoomcron. I'm your host, Travis Matier, and I'm recording this introduction on Christmas Eve. Um, and it's actually going to be a pretty interesting, albeit short, conversation um, with someone I've known for, for quite some time. Um, his name is Glenn Harley Stevens. And, um, you know, to, to just say that something like, you know, he's a homeless man is a, it's a pretty reductive statement because um, the man has lived a very long life before um, he became a person on the streets who I became familiar with um, back when I started working at the Pavarello Center uh, local homeless shelter here in Missoula, Montana in 2008. And so I knew Harley very well. Um, interestingly enough, I actually read a poem on Veterans Day this year, 11-11, in which Harley was mentioned because the poem itself was about cockeyed, excuse me, cockeyed Joe a good friend of Harley's and Harley was the person who who basically saw Joe die in front of him and um and got the authorities to take Joe to the hospital and so I read that poem not knowing that around that time Harley was being released from prison he had spent about five years in prison um we discussed that a little bit although uh, Harley references a completely separate incident um and it's really hard to kind of say, you know, what what his recollections might be in terms of accuracy. You know, Harley freely admits that um, he's got a brain injury from a car accident. He was hit by a car that sort of, you know, started his his life on the streets from his telling. Um, and the reason I actually interviewed Harley yesterday on December 23rd, 2021, is because I got a call on my phone. From someone that I think does security for the Social Security office, um, someone that actually knows Harley, and so they were trying to put Harley in contact with someone to help him, because he was not able to stay at the Pavarella Center. From my understanding, I think an incident occurred. Um, Harley can be volatile; he can escalate quickly. Um, he definitely slammed his fist on my table here in my studio a few times. Um, we recorded in the evening time after hours so that no one else was sort of around 
Um, I wanted to be mindful of the fact that, you know, there, there are challenges to trying to have conversations sometimes with people that are uh, in various stages of crisis, although I'm sure Harley wouldn't explain or wouldn't, wouldn't say that he was in crisis, so to speak. Um, his plan was to stay on the streets last night. Um, he had a good amount of cash on him, although not as much cash as he says that he usually makes on a good night, which can be well over uh, $100. Uh, he had about, I think, probably $35, $40 in cash. He actually gave me a dollar because I, I gave him my yerba mate. So so he wanted to make sure to pay me for, my, for the drink that I gave him, the non-alcoholic drink. Uh, speaking of alcohol, though, uh, Harley was certainly in his cups. He had about, um, yeah, maybe a third, uh, a little bit more of a liter of vodka. Um, he took a few pulls of that vodka while we, while we talked. And after our 20-minute conversation, he requested that I take him to the ox. And so I drove him to the ox and dropped him off there. So this will be an interesting conversation, again, with someone who I've known for a while, um, I actually talked to municipal judge, Kath- excuse me, I'm burping here, uh, Kathleen Jenks on the phone maybe a few months ago, kind of feeling out if she'd be interested in doing an interview, and she said she was interested, so I'm very interested myself in following up with her because the reason I talked to Kathleen Jenks many, many, many years ago is because of her frustration with Mr. Stevens, with Harley. Um, he had, I think, well over 100 you know, separate cases sort of that went through her municipal court. Um, she struggled with, you know, what can actually be done in terms of treatment. She didn't just want to punish him for all of his low level, you know, behavior related issues because it was so much surrounding his alcoholism. You know, he refers to himself as a bum and it, just a really interesting perspective that the judge had. And, and we had, we shared the frustration and we had a very honest conversation, you know, years ago about Mr. Stevens. And that was before he uh, had an incident in which he stabbed a fellow homeless man under the Reserve Street Bridge in 2015. Um, that's the incident that landed him in prison. Uh, the The man that he stabbed, Arthur Hawks, uh, his street name is Mud Duck. Uh, Mud Duck has since passed away. I, I'm pretty sure it was he actually died while in county detention. I think he, I can't remember specifically, but something happened in jail in which Arthur Hawks passed away. Um, I know Arthur was a veteran. Um, you know, Glenn claims to be a veteran. I don't, I have never seen any of the DD-214 forms. Um, I take people at, at face value for the most part, unless there's specific reason to, to not do so. Um, so I'm going to stop talking now because I'm running out of battery power and I want to try and get this all bounced and ready to go for Christmas Day. So again, you're listening to ZoomCron. I'm your host, Travis Matier. You can hit me up at willskink at yahoo.com. That used to be my pseudonym. Now it's my LLC. So that's W-I-L-L-S-K-I-N-K at yahoo.com. Um, and I may say a few things at the outro. So thank you so much. Here you go. Glenn Harley Stevens. Okay, so it is now recording. It is December 23rd, and I am in my studio with Harley. Harley, can you say hello? Hello. Um, so it's a pleasure to actually have you in here, Harley. Um, you know, you're hardcore. You're not cold when you're outside. Um, I'm kind of a wimp, and I, I am very cold when I'm outside, and it's wintertime. Um, but you gave me a call earlier tonight because um, I gave you my card, and we used to know each other back when I worked at the Pavarello Center. So your outreach. I was the outreach. Let me here. Hold on. I'm going to um, adjust your microphone just I'm so I can. I'm drinking that. 
You want to drink in my yerba mate? I have, I have no diseases. They gave me a clean bill of health at the hospital. Well, please drink some yerba mate. Um, I. I just need to sip. Well, that that's yours. The rest is all yours now. Harley. Really? What Absolutely. Well, it's a it's a caffeinated drink. I don't drink alcohol anymore, so I, I I'm off of the Boda Box wine. I've never known you to drink, sir. Well, I didn't drink on the job. I drink after the job, and I drink to cope with the difficulty of working with um old codgers like you. <laughs> well, you had your hands full, did you? Well, you wanted to talk about Cockeyed Joe and that. Okay, we'll start there. Let's start with Joe. Um, Let's start. I'll tell you how I met him. How did you meet Joe? In 2007 in East Missoula, I got hit by a car. Okay. And I was I had a beautiful home here in Missoula. I had my beautiful trucks and beautiful girlfriend. And what year was that? Was that like 2003? 2007. Oh, 2007. Okay. And uh, so I got hit by a car, got crippled. I couldn't work no more because of dramatic brain injury. Broke both my hands. That's right. I, I, so I I remember you telling me that. Um, Long time ago. That was back when Wayne was around, mm-hmm. Joe. Well, no, Wayne didn't come to way later. Oh, okay. Okay. So you met Wayne way afterwards. So so you met Joe after getting hit by a car, East Missoula. Let me tell you how I met Joe. Okay, okay. So 2009, I lost my home. I lost everything I had. And I had nowhere to go, and I'm just walking down the street, and this old cockeyed dude said, "Hey, come over here and have a drink." <laughs> so I went, "What?" He goes, "Try some vodka." So uh, that was the beginning of me and Joe. Were Were you a drinker back then, Harley? No. Oh, you weren't. You weren't. No okay. drugs, no alcohol, nothing. So, so I mean, obviously you've had a drink before, but that was sort well, of your introduction. That was the introduction to the street life. So Joe kind of showed you the ropes of the streets. Well, I was dying, and I was, I was, I was just dying. And he goes, he goes, Joe goes, uh, take a drink of this. It might pep you up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And it did. You know, it's so interesting that you are here. Um, I read a poem about Joe um, on Veterans Day on November 11th. And in that poem, you are in that poem, Harley, because you were the one that found Joe when he collapsed. Um, he died right in front of me. What what happened? I mean, I, I don't I don't think we ever had a chance to talk about truth. that. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to know the truth? I do. Okay, me and Joe, we were having an argument that night because he stole my bottle. Gotcha. I made like 30 bucks, right? I bought a bottle, and he put it in his jacket and said, it's mine, it's mine. Of course, I, I didn't care. You can have it, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So he was up on the back patio that's all fenced off beyond the Badlanders. Right, right. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. He was up there. I was madder than hell, but I already bought another bottle. I bought Joe hundreds of bottles. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he goes, Harley, Harley, help me. So I went up there and helped him down. You know them wooden steps? Yep, yep. He was so crippled. So I got him down the steps, and he goes, here's your bottle back. Joe, you can have it. (laughs) So he says, get me to the courthouse so I can use the bathroom. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So I helped him down the steps and we got out in front of the palace and he fell over dead on me. He just collapsed. It was the most horrifying thing I ever seen. What was so hor- horrifying about it? He cringed up and his whole face changed and I didn't even know it was Joe anymore and he shell everything. It was terrible. So was it kind of like he had a stroke or it seemed like he just I had know what happened. Yeah. He died right there. You know they they had him um on They said he lived afterwards but he was he was I mean he wasn't conscious. I I saw him in the hospital. Dead. I saw him in the hospital after that before they no, pulled you're the plug. About the other time. He's been in the hospital several times for the same thing. Okay. This time he was doomed. He was dead. By the time I got to the hospital, yeah, he was dead. I had to walk all the way down there. <laughs> did, did you have to identify his body? No. I really knew. You know, I didn't know that Joe was a veteran until after he passed away. Um, and I don't even Joe think... Joe was not a veteran. He wasn't a veteran? No. Okay. He had mentioned that. I'm a veteran. He's not a veteran. There, there's a lot of those claims on the streets sometimes where people say they are veterans. He was veterans. only 52 when he died. Okay. He was that young? Yeah. All right. And you said you were a veteran because you you lied about your age and you went to Vietnam, huh? I had to. I was drafted. What was the, what was that like? What would you serve as? Um, I'm a civilian, so I don't I don't know much about you know serving in the military other than what I've been told. What do you want to know these things for? Well, I don't necessarily. I'm just asking questions. Well, one thing I am interested, you know, Harley, one thing I'm I'm interested in is um, Kathleen Jakes. I never claimed anything. I always denied to be in the veteran because they spit on me and they called me a baby killer, so I denied it. Yeah. What about your relationship with Judge Jenks? I loved her. (laughs) You love Kathleen Jenks? Yes. Yeah. Was Was she hard on you sometimes? No. I used to bag her and give me time. I could sober up. Yeah, yeah. She wouldn't, she always made me laugh. And... Well, I think one of the things, because I remember talking with Judge Jenks about um, the lack of treatment options. And, you know, that was one of the realities. If, if someone on the streets wanted to get sober, um, there was a lot of hoops you had to jump through. And then even if you jumped. No, I never had to jump through no hoops. Did you ever go through treatment? No. No. Nothing. Do you sober up on your own, or do you sober up? Because... I did it several times right there at the Pavarello. Yeah, you did. I remember that. I remember I went to, uh, I went over to Butte. Yep, I do remember that. I sobered up. You guys held my bed. First thing I got. Was that the MCDC program? Yes. Oh, that's right. I sobered up lots of times back in those days. What are the, the types of things that send you back to drinking? Are there, is there anything that... Pain. Tri- physical pain? Losing my wife and kids, family, yeah. home, jobs, everything. You're an artist, Harley. Yes, I am. And you you, you draw pictures and you make some amazing... No more, I know. Is it because your hands, the... I could probably draw again, but I got to be in the right mood. Right, right. You got to have a enlightenment. <laughs> you got to feel it, right? Yes. Well, you're a hardcore son of a gun. Um, what are your plans for, for tonight? Because you, you're not currently going to be staying at the POV tonight. 
Are you going to be just out on the streets panhandling? No, apparently. Unless you get me down there. Uh, <laughs> I panhandle till 2 o'clock. What, what are, so is there anything different on the streets nowadays versus the last time you were in Missoula? Well, my friends are there. That is a difference, isn't it? It makes it a lot easier for me. <laughs> That's some gallows humor. What, what about the, the drugs on the streets? Have you noticed more meth, more people doing the, the crazy meth shit? I don't know. Yeah. That's one of the things I'm interested in. I don't know in. nothing about drugs, brother. You know that. You don't even know anything about cannabis? I know. Yes, <laughs> you know, cannabis is going to be completely legal um, and sold recreationally as of January first. Everybody's smoking it. Yeah, it's like good shit. There's there's a lot of high quality cannabis out there on the on the streets, so that might be something that we'll have to look you into. Smoke weed yourself, sir. I love cannabis. I think cannabis is a fantastic thing. You know, you gonna give me a hit tonight. It's it's funny. We'll, we'll talk about that off the record. Um, it's it's funny because the only thing I ever had a problem with when it comes to cannabis and, and people that were using POV services, um, is is the fact that you know cannabis costs money. Not my my point would be well, if you want to you know smoke cannabis, maybe you should try and get out of the shelter first before you before you do that. The shelters but, are full of cannabis. Well, absolutely, I would think so. They're smoking tons. What was um what was staying at the the new pub like? Were you ever in the new building? Before? I liked it all. Yeah, I just got in a fight. That's all. Yeah, it happens. Was someone disrespecting you? Yes, that happens too. It happens. It happens. No, at the new pub or yeah, the new pub. No, I bought. Okay, let me tell you the truth, Travis. You want to hear the truth or you want to hear a lie? I want to hear the truth, man. So I went uptown. To the courthouse, right? Yep. I made $157 that day. Dang. Because mm -hmm. people love me. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm a lovable person. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I went down to the pub. Everybody's going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we need a drink, we need a drink. So I bought uh, five bottles. So there was a bunch of them out back drinking. Yeah. You know the, the new pub back there in the picnic tables? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So five pints? You got five pints to no, pass around? five liters. Holy crap, Harley. And they're all back there drinking, and these women are turned into monsters. And I'm just like, <laughs> shit. Because I can't fight against women. And then uh, I didn't do a damn thing. So when I came in and check in time. Yeah. They breathalyzed me. <laughs> I didn't cause not one argument, not one problem. Yeah. I was mellow. I was cool. And they kicked me out. That's a pain in the ass. So I was out there with this old Indian dude and his wife, which we go way back, me and We've always been warriors. Yeah. Fist yeah. fighters. I yeah. used to, me and him were fighters all our lives. Yeah. We hate each other, but he had a whole jug around me. He goes, ah, you're just out too hard. Like, ah. <laughs> I said, well, show me that room. He some of the cat hole bottles, man. Yeah. So, uh, kicked me out for 13 days. So 13 days, is that what their, their rule for being? I don't know. Yeah. I haven't been down there since. Yep. This is what I made. This is what I already. This is just not even what usually. 
Yeah. Hey, you, you were you were showing me your wad of cash that you were making. I make money. You do. You definitely make money. Yep. And if you wanted to stay inside, you probably could, right? If, if you I wanted stay inside, you don't make nothing. Yeah. Here's a twenty on top of this. Usually, I make twice as much. Yeah. Because people love me. Yeah. Because I'm a good dude. Remember the? It, I don't think it was the. Was it the Badlander? I think one of the things that, that you got sort of in trouble for back the last time you were in Missoula was taking ripping those those metal grates off of the Badlander. Do you yes, remember that? I did it. What was going on that night? Because from what I hear, you were uh, you were just going after those metal grates. I tore them all off and threw them in the middle. That's back when I was in the war with the police. Right, right. And then they put them grates up where we used to set. They did that specifically to keep people like you off. off. That's right. Yeah. And I threw them in the middle of the street. And I picked up all the manhole covers and threw them in the street. Did, did you get in trouble by, by law enforcement yes. for that? I went to jail for uh, nine months. Is that what you went to prison for? No. No. They dropped all charges. The Badlanders did. Gotcha. What did you end up um, getting sent to prison for then? Fighting with the police. Oh, okay. What started it? I was down on Brooks, mm -hmm. and I'm just cruising along, right? And I only made, it was a terrible night. It's hard to fathom with Brooks. Yeah, yeah. But I was up at Albertsons. I didn't do very good. So I made enough. I got my leader at the liquor store. Mm -hmm. And $6 at the Antonio Creek. $6 bought at, remember the... Dairy Queen, the old Dairy Queen. Oh, yeah, Not absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. The old Dairy Queen. Right. On the other side of Brooks. Gotcha. On this side of Brooks. Uh-huh. $6 for two corn dogs, uh, some fries, and a deal. That was what I ate every night. Yeah. So I'm, I'd be broke after that, except Usually I make about 50 bucks a day at Albertsons. Right. Because they love me. But that was a bad evening? You didn't make yeah. that much money? And, and So were you angry when when the cops came to talk to you? No, <laughs> I was not angry. So what happened, you're not letting me talk. So what Sorry. happened is I went up there, had my bottle. So mm -hmm. I'm full. I got all the whiskey I need. Had a full pack of cigarettes. I'm not angry. And I went up to to the uh, Dairy Queen. I said, I want the deal. And they said they raised it 50 cents. Oh, really? I'm like, come on, I eat here every night almost. This is been going on. We're not going to let you eat for the. I should just bought a hamburger, but I was. So I seen this car parked off in the, in the right next to it, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I was a cop. So I went up and I went, hey brother, uh, can you spare 50 cents? He came out with a little boo. Was it like an undercover cop or? No, police officer. Okay. Not no more, ex-police officer. Oh. Hold his gun on me. And I said, that's assault with a weapon. And he turned around and called the cops and said, I pulled a knife on him. Huh. It was a lie. 
We lied about him. Yeah, we sent to prison. And that's actually, he I was took a, it to court. They wanted to give him 20 years. Oh, wow. I got it done. I did my five years in prison. Yeah. They lied. They put an innocent man in prison. So I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here, man. So I took off, and he kept chasing me down, him and his family or whatever. Finally, next thing I know, I'm sitting I went in. You know that little, uh, where they show, uh, that store down there uh, on Brooks where they show Cornell. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, they were ch- he was chasing me down with his gun. I ran in there. I said, call the cops. He's trying to kill me. Wow. Because I went to prison. So they came in and arrested me because I had my own, remember my old knife? I d- yeah, yep. I still got one of my knives. Well, yeah, I mean, like, who, who does it? When you're on the streets, you have to have something to protect yourself. This is a nice one. I like this knife. And, uh, well, I never, I never knew, I never heard that story, Harley. So I'm telling you the truth. Thank you for sharing that. I, I appreciate that. So, uh, I took him to jury trial. <laughs> At the end of the trial, they said, "We'll drop it to criminal endangerment, five years in prison, or we'll give you 20. I was trapped because I had no witnesses. I had, they had all the police on their side, everything on their side. So you, you took the plea agreement. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was innocent. I believe you. Have you ever known me? I know I stabbed Bob Duck. He tried to murder me. I stabbed other people trying to murder me. And I won all them cases. Yeah. Remember um, the fight that Joey Gonzalez got in? Um, uh, Johnny Belmarez. Remember Johnny Belmarez got... No, I don't want to talk about Johnny Belmarez. You don't want to talk about that? It's been a long time. I don't trust that dude, man. Well, anything else you want to you want to talk about before we kind of wrap it up? And Did you want to talk about Johnny Five? Who, who's Johnny Five? Remember Johnny Five? Joey Gonzalez. They all killed him. Johnny, yeah, Johnny, Johnny Gonzalez or um, Joey Gonzalez died in Butte. I know, right? He could never whip me in the fist fight. He wasn't he a boxer? Wasn't Joey a boxer? I'm a champion boxer. Yeah, he thought he was. You did some boxing too, huh? I won three awards. Dang. So what are you wrapping up? Let's get on. <laughs> well, this has been an excellent conversation, and Harley, I'm so glad that we were able to to share this. And I'm going to go I ahead. Did I do a good job? You did an excellent job. You didn't. You just told your story. You told your truth, man. It's all about just just talking, you know. So I'm going to go ahead and, and turn this off so we can talk for real. Okay. All right. Well, there you have it. If you've been tuning in this long, I appreciate it. This has been Zoomcron Week in Review. I'm your host, Travis Williams Skink Matier. It's May 20th this evening. Uh, Glenn Harley Stevens passed away. I really quickly, I'll just, um, I'm not really sure why I was driving around downtown, but when I saw all of the sirens, I just had this feeling. When I, when I parked, I asked a guy that was on the courthouse lawn if it was Harley. He said he thought it was. So um, the post that this, podcast episode will be accompanying we'll have a image of harley in his final moments after they tried to resuscitate him 
Um, by the time <clears throat> I made my second round next to the body, a lot of sheriff deputies were around in one PD. They had the sheet over Harley's body, and I think they were in the process of probably getting him to wherever they're going get to get him to. So I don't know if there's going to be an investigation, if there's any concern about how he died, the manner he died. Um, sad. Very sad. So, Harley, hope you're in a better place. Thanks for tuning in. Be back next week.